The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about, I have, this is a great show, particularly for this month, because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And my guest today, Allison Kugel, is um, tr- trying with her book, and, and I'm sure will beginning to succeed, the book just came out, um, to help dispel the stereotype, uh, dispel all the stigma against mental illness and to let people know that even people who are having high-profile careers like Allison um, can live with and somehow overcome uh, disorders like anxiety, panic, depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and so on. And, you know, it's so important to uh, dispel stigma by uh, showing people, I mean, you don't, some of the people that you think have these perfect lives uh, or have it all together, you know, some of the uh, particularly celebrities who we see in, on the red carpets and so on, it seems like their lives are all together until we hear about them committing suicide or get, having an overdose or getting, having a, a, a horrible divorce or, you know, we realize that they too have various problems, some of which um, are related to or caused by some kind of mental illness. So I think that it's that her new book, which is called Journaling Fame, A Memoir of a Life Unhinged and on the Record, is, will go far in terms of surprising people by seeing that someone who has had uh, more than 200 celebrity interviews, who has conducted, she was the interviewer, of more than 200 uh, celebrity interviews, could be in the background uh, coping with these kinds of disorders that I mentioned. And um, she has interviewed people from the Kardashians to 50 Cent, Melissa Rivers, Stan Lee, uh, hip-hop legend Russell Simmons, Kristen Chenoweth, Jenna Jameson, and former Soprano stars star Joe Pantoliano, just to name just a few of the 200. And so welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I want to tell I read your whole book, straight <laughs> through, really, um, other than trips to the kitchen for something to eat and to the restroom. <laughs> That's a nice um, compliment. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you the truth, I, I lo- loved it a lot, and especially because of what I was just saying, you know, how it's going to surprise people and show them that they don't have to be ashamed. I mean, there you put everything up front. Um, 
about, you know, all of the uh, panic attacks and all of the things that you were suffering from. But um, what, I, what I love the most, and I think you might be surprised about this, I mean, there are, let me just say for, for my listeners, um, the book is, is part uh, Allison's story, and that weaves through these celebrity interviews. And um, what I wanted to say to you was that I was more interested, and I know I'm probably not the typical reader in this regard, because yes, everybody wants to know. Um, I mean, I used to have a column for the National Enquirer called um, Hollywood on the Couch, and I would analyze who, whatever celebrity was, um, was they were featuring in some story that week. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that analyzing celebrities, of course, is fascinating to me, but um, but I found it even more fascinating to read your story. And at the end of it, um, I wanted to know a lot more about you. Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I, I wrote it the way that I did, you know, because I think it's kind of counterintuitive that people would say, well, you wrote a book about, you know, men- your, your own mental health issues and about your job interviewing celebrities. That's a strange, you know, combination of genres, but... I wrote it this way for many reasons. I wanted to show, as you said, this striking dichotomy in what my life looked like from the outside and what was kind of going on inside of me because I wanted to make that point. Mm -hmm. And I also wrote it this way because I wanted to reach people, particularly young people, who probably wouldn't pick up a self-help book Mm. or a book about mental health, but they would probably be attracted to a book about celebrity interviews and about, you know, parts of the lifestyle that I was leading. And then hopefully I'll grab a bunch of people who are struggling with anxiety or depression or OCD or panic attacks. And, you know, and in the process, they'll gain some type of comfort from reading my story. Yes, well, absolutely. I mean, did you, uh, I would imagine those things figured into which of the 200 (laughs) celebrity interviews you chose? I chose, well, first of all, you know, it's hard because to to condense, you know, uh, decades of your life into 200 and something pages is not an easy feat. But I, I chose interviews that happened to take place during certain transitional or emotionally charged parts of my life. Mm. And I chose interviews that I could also somehow relate to my own life so that I could weave back and forth between my experience with the celebrity and, and, and parts of my own life story. So that's mm-hmm. how I chose the people that I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can see that um, in looking back on them, yes. Um, well, why don't we... I, 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 why don't we start with, um, I mean, you know, and you can weave the celebrity interviews into our conversation. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that, you know, you, actually, why don't we kind of go, uh, you know, you talk about having gone through, um, having started these, having these problems, anxiety problems from the time you were a child, and, um, and, and getting treatment along the way. And I'd like to, what I'm interested in, one of the, I'm interested in a lot of things, but one of the things that I'm interested in as a psychiatrist is what you found the most helpful. Um, I'm sure you've had, you implied or you've said, you know, that you had a lot of different treat, kinds of treatment or different, uh, at different times in your life and so on. And, um, 
I'm very, just to kind of clue you in where I'm coming from, I'm very critical of, uh, I'm very disappointed in psychiatrists. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I was trained at NYU Bellevue, which was like the place to be, you see everything. And I also That's trained right here, in, yeah. I also trained in London with Anna Freud, Freud's daughter, and also, you know, various places. And so, um, and when I was trained, we were trained as psychiatrists to do therapy, not just uh, push pills. And so I'm very disappointed in what has become of psychiatry uh, today and how people have med visits with psychiatrists rather than therapy with psychiatrists along with medications that they might need. Um, and so I'm, and, and also it's all because of insurance companies and not wanting to spend a lot of money and it's cheaper to pay a psychologist or a social worker than a psychiatrist to do therapy and all of that. But, uh, and then there are these shorthand therapies like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm just wondering, in all the different, you know, times and places that you had some kind of treatment, what you found to be helpful and not helpful? Okay. So, well, I've been around the block. So I've, you know, everything that you've just brought up, I'm kind of nodding my head because I've experienced all of them. I would say I share your opinion about psychiatrists. Um, my experience with psychiatrists has mainly been about what are your symptoms? Okay, uh, this, is, this is the latest medication that everybody's trying. Take this and come back in two or three weeks and tell me how you're doing. So, you know, I'm not particularly impressed with modern-day psychiatry. In terms of therapy and psychology, I have been to cognitive behavioral therapists and I've been to um, therapists or or psychologists, rather, who were more analytical and I guess you could say Freudian. And for me, it was actually a combination of the two that really helped me. But if I had to pinpoint it, there was one psychologist that I went to on and off for many, many years. He's since passed away, but his name was uh, Dr. Gerard Bomsey, and he was just a brilliant man because he helped me to demystify and understand what was going on inside of me. Um, how certain, you know, and, and let me just preface this by saying that I'm a firm believer that, you know, anxiety disorders are partly a genetic predisposition, you know, because I think that, you know, we all have trauma and stress that comes into our lives, but just like not everybody is going to develop migraines from stress, not everybody is going to develop an anxiety disorder from stress. So I think that the genetic predisposition has to be there. I think that then there are certain, you know, elements of stress and trauma that come into your life along the way, like it does for all of us. And this is how it comes out in certain people. But he really helped me to identify how things like anger, feelings of helplessness, uh, and certain traumatic events in my life, how it manifested in, you know, certain thought patterns. And he actually called OCD a counterphobic uh, reaction, meaning Mm -hmm. that, Let's say, you know, if if you're very angry as a child and you have fantasies of, well, you know, if something happens to me, then my parents will be sorry. They'll be sorry they ever yelled at me, punished me, whatever. And then having those fantasies actually frightens you. So now all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, I'm afraid to get sick. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to be in an accident. You know, it's that kind of thing. So it was, it was a very interesting, and it also helped me to be a better parent, the things that he taught me. However... The cognitive therapy that I went to, which was through an organization called TERAP, and I don't know if you're um, 
familiar with them, but they actually started in San Francisco, California. But they gave me a great education in, you know, the cognitive stuff, how to kind of um, be in your body, how to uh, breathe from your diaphragm, how to do some meditation and, you know, positive visualization and things like that. And then there's the other aspect, which is, you know, medication. And I personally believe that a combination of all of those is really the right treatment. I think that, you know, my whole, I spent my whole life up until maybe a few years ago searching for a cure. You know, I would say, you know, therapy's not working for me because the anxiety always comes back. So obviously it's hopeless. I'm always going to have this. And I was like really angry about it. And it was kind of like a why me? Which, by the way, now that I wrote this book and I'm speaking to people like yourself, I will never ask that question again because now I know the answer. Mm. And the answer is that I'm able to help other people. Mm. But, um, you know, in, in terms of psychiatry and psychology, I do think that psychiatrists ought to, uh, you know, show a little bit more compassion, understanding, and spend more time doing therapy, 100%. Um, but I also think that um, pharmaceuticals can be extremely helpful to restore quality of life. I think that breathing exercises and meditation and things like yoga um, and exercise and a, and a good balanced diet are extremely helpful. And I think, you know, good old-fashioned analytical talk therapy is very helpful. So everybody has to find the right, you know, magic formula for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Um... You know, the thing with, I mean, it is uh, the, uh, with psychiatrists, like you were starting to describe, you know, you, you would go there and say, tell them your symptoms, and then they would give you, you know, throw out, yes, the, the latest thing that the drug rep told them about, and, right. then, um, and then you would go home with it, and it wouldn't work, and then you'd come back and say you, have, you still have the symptoms, or you have other symptoms, or maybe you have side effects. And then what they do typically is throw more meds at you. It's, you know, so people wind up having like three and four and five medications, which is really dangerous. And, um, you know, when in fact um, you can't really, you have to know a lot more than somebody's symptoms and side effects to, you know, do anything, anything helpful. And um, I agree with all the things that you said as far as, like, I use visualization, guided imagery, and so on. And, of course, meditation and food, diet, and exercise, and, you know, all of those things are great. Um, CBT, the reason why I mentioned that specifically, I mean, you know, for some people, if that the problem with CBT is that, yes, that could be one of an additional part of the mix, but it's, you're not going to figure out what... Um, what is causing the anxiety or the uh, OCD or any of the other symptoms with CBT? That's just a behavioral modification kind of thing to try to get rid of the symptoms, but it's, it's not getting to the root of the problem. And so, so you know, that can be a useful addition, but it's not, it's, it doesn't help getting, it doesn't get to the root of the problems. And the same thing with medication, Typically for anxiety, and the problem with medication for anxiety disorders, and you kind of address this in your book, um, <laughs> because you mentioned, what was it, um, oh, Ativan when you were having a panic attack? Yeah, Ativan was given to me in large doses in the hospital. It's not something I ever took on my own with a uh-huh. prescription. Uh-huh, okay, because that's yeah. the thing. I mean, <laughs> yes, for a panic attack and an emergency, of course, that's fine, but um, a lot of times people who have a 
who struggle with anxiety get addicted to the medications, Xanax, Ativan, all of these different things. Um, Correct. Are, have as the downside that they are addicting. And so especially when they take away the anxiety, it's very tempting yeah. to keep taking them. And, and then you have to take them in increasing doses to get the same effect. Well, so, if, I, um, if I may, I just want to um, address the benzodiazepine um, mm-hmm. issue because, you know, first of all, I, you know, I talk about in my book that I'm very, very anti, well, first of all, I, I'm very much against any sort of recreational yeah. drugs, um, mm-hmm. which I talk about. And I, and I also, when it comes to medication, uh, which is, you know, that's like kind of the legitimate catch-all medication. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that, I also use medications very sparingly. And, you know, I, you know, I can tell you that in terms of benzodiazepines, when I was in the throes of probably the most horrific extended period of anxiety of my life, which was in the summer of 2012, and it got to the point where my body was actually physically exhausted and something had to kind of break the cycle, mm-hmm. I can tell you that taking clonopin for a couple of months under a doctor's care mm-hmm. um, just to kind of reset myself and kind of break that extreme anxiety cycle was extremely helpful yeah. for me. And then yeah. I came off of it. So in other words, I didn't stay on it as a matter of habit and routine for years. I took it for a couple of months. Uh-huh therapeutically, and then went off of it. And I think that that's the major thing is that people say, oh, well, this is great. When I take this, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not worried about anything. I feel wonderful. And they just keep on taking it and taking it and taking it. And I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, not everybody has that kind of um, discipline um, or right. self-awareness. Well, let, let's talk about, I mean, you talk, I'm, I don't want to, you talk about these things, you mention these things in the book that, of course, I'm going to pick up on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, but you, you know, well, let me just say, for example, you talk about when, when you were, during childhood, um, you mentioned how your parents separated and how your father, um, how when they separated, they were each 34. They had gotten married really early. I think was it was 20. What was it? 21. 21. Yes. And um, and so when they were 34, which is kind of a normal thing to happen in a way, because people when they get married so early, it's it's hard. Then then in their you know then especially for a man, then in their early 30s, they kind of uh, wonder what else there is out there. Not that that's any excuse. Oh, and here, oh, God, here's the music. We have to take a break. Well, we're leaving people on a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, guest is Allison Kugel. Her book is called Journaling Fame, A Memoir of a Life Unhinged and on the Record. So stay tuned. I'm sure you will. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. 
She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Allison Kugel. Her book is called Journaling Fame, A Memoir of a Life Unhinged and on the Record. So, before the break, I was just about to um, delve into your childhood. I did give you fair warning. I said I studied with Anna Freud, so hey. Yes, let's delve in. (laughs) Um, So, you talk about how when you were nine years old, your parents um, separated, and your um, father um, found, was traveling, and he found a a 25-year-old woman in Dallas, and he then started making uh, lots of trips to Dallas and, and kind of getting, developing the relationship so that it was really intense. And, um, and, and surely for a nine-year-old, you know, prepubescent, I mean, that's, well, it's kind of like between the Oedipal phase and, and puberty, mm-hmm. um, that's a very devastating thing to happen, especially uh, if you know that, I mean, it's, devast- it's devastating for any child of divorce, period. But it's devastating when you know that your father um, has found this uh, intense relationship in another state, and he's traveling there a lot, and he's not really with you. So could you... I mean, that to me um, would be sort of the beginning of of the anxiety. Well, uh, I wish I could kind of, you know, pin it on that, but, I mean, my anxiety started, my earliest memories of anxiety started probably around the age of eight, when actually, you know, my parents were together. I mean, there was, you know, some tumult in the house. I mean, mm-hmm. the relationship was a little fiery between my parents, so there was some of that going on, but... You know, in, in terms of the way all of the events that took place between my parents, how it shaped me, I mean, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, I was just totally fine with it when, you know, all of a sudden my parents split up and, you know, my dad had this relationship in another state and he seemed more preoccupied with that, uh, you know, but it, it, it's, I think with all of the different events that took place between, you know, my parents getting separated and them each sort of exploring this kind of second adolescence or whatever you'd want to mm-hmm. call it and then getting back together, you know, in the 11th hour, just as the divorce papers were delivered to my mom, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they decide to get back together. Then all of a sudden my mom is pregnant with my second brother. Then all of a sudden there's another baby in the house. It was just yeah. like this rapid-fire succession of all of these extreme changes going on. And, um, yeah, I think it definitely caused me to be, it, it caused me to develop, 
you know, a, a certain side of myself. I, you know, like as I say in, in my book, I was a very introspective child. I was sensitive. I was prone to anxiety. Um, I was also, and I still am, and, you know, I talk about this freely because it makes me laugh, but I'm, I've always kind of had this running inner dialogue with myself, and I don't know if it's just kind of a very strong intuition, a strong inner voice, a spirit guide. I mean, call it what you will, I don't know, but I, I kind of developed this rich inner life, and mm-hmm. maybe it was a coping mechanism, but... You know, I also know that it, it made me able to write because, you know, when people say to me, like, how do you write? How do you not get writer's block? I say, because mm-hmm. I don't write at my computer. I write by talking to myself. Mm. And then I transcribe it at my computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. That's how I write. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a little nutty. I don't know. But it, it kind of, it all shaped me. And, and it also made me become very interested in biographies. You know, because when all of these crazy things were going on in my family, I would escape by sticking my nose in a book, and I was into reading biographies and memoirs and reading about, I took great comfort in reading about certain famous people and what their lives were like and seeing that, oh, you know, they went through this and they went through that, and, you know, you know their lives were not as smooth and, you know, and perfectly packaged as, as I thought, and I took... I took a lot of comfort and inspiration from that. Um, yes, you know, I really identified with that. Um, I used to do that when I was a child. I mean, starting in whenever you, ha- whenever you have to write book reports, which I think was in elementary school, um, like at least like fifth grade or something, I would always concentrate on the, I'd want to find out more about the author. And I would always concentrate on, I'd, I'd get a biography of them if they were famous enough to have a biography written about them. Right. Um, and, uh, and then ex- write in my book report about why this writer, which is kind of what I'm trying to do now, <laughs> why yeah. this writer um, wrote this particular story, you know, what this had to do with their own childhood, what unconsciously, how did... Their, their own childhood unconsciously affect them so that they wrote this particular book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, deconstructing, you know, what, what's going on in somebody, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, you know. Um, and, and like I said, I think, and, you know, it, it sounds like you feel the same way, like, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, for instance, I just, I just watched with my son um, a, a biopic about Walt Disney and everything that happened in his life leading, leading up to the moment when he invented Mickey Mouse. So it's everything up until that moment. Uh-huh. And, man, it was, a, it was a bumpy ride. <laughs> and, you know, you look at that and you say, you know, this is, you know, it, it's, the way I look at it is like if, if, if any of us were so evolved and had it so together, we wouldn't be here on Earth. We'd be in some elevated plane somewhere in some other dimension. So mm-hmm. anybody who's here, it came here because their soul needed to grow and learn to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So we're all going to have, you know, kind of a roller coaster experience while we're here. Mm-hmm. Um. Going back to what you were saying earlier, yes, actually eight years old, the anxiety of not, when your parents were fighting, the anxiety of not knowing whether they were going to split up or not and feeling like, you know, uh, that something was about to happen and yet, and not wanting it to happen and, and waiting for the next, for the other shoe to drop. 
I loved your, I loved the, um, I mean, so many people can relate to this. I loved your description of how when your parents were separated and um, then you had to live on your mother's salary and she would buy, whereas you used to have a very comfortable upper middle class life, all of a sudden um, she had to be more economical and had to buy Oreo cookies <laughs> um, that were the brand of the supermarket, not the, uh, I don't even, not Nabisco, right? Is that who makes Oreo cookies? Right, right, yeah. I'm not going to, actually, I know, I remember the, the, the brand name, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it wouldn't be nice. But yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. We went from shopping in like high end boutiques to going to you know flea markets and buying less expensive food. And uh, you know, it, my mother didn't work at the time; she was a stay at home mother. Mm. So you know, whatever she got, I guess it was alimony, child support, you know, uh-huh. whatever it was. It was definitely it. It was everything kind of kept changing overnight. There were just constant changes within a very short period of time. Yes, at I mean, that boy, particular oh. time. All of that, you know, that's quite a lot. To, I mean, and then, um, I don't know if you did this on purpose because you didn't want people to know or, I mean, you were saying that your mother in that right, um, right after or right at the same time, I mean, I don't know, what do you think about that? That when, you're, when your father came back, took you the family out to dinner and announced that, that he and your mother were getting back together. And then your mother announced that she was pregnant. I mean, was that supposed to be that they got back together and they were lovey-dovey and a baby appeared or um, was it, I mean, it didn't seem like it would be that your mother had this child with it. She didn't seem like the type to have the child with another man. So was that kind of what you were trying to say? Oh, no. What ha- well, it's funny. My father just read the book and he said, you know, I loved your book. He said, but you got one thing wrong. I said, hmm. what's that? He said, your mother was not pregnant when we announced that we were getting back together. She became pregnant a month later. Uh, I said, oh, I said, my ho- I said, you know, Dad, I always thought you guys got back together because hmm. you got her pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, hmm. Did you ask your mother about that? No, I, re- I know when she conceived, it was a month after we got back together. I said, okay, look, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Did you check that out with your mother? I, you know, I didn't. It's just that from, from, you know, I wrote it from, and I told my dad this. I said I wrote, I, when I was writing um, the stuff that happened when I was a kid, I wrote it from my, the perspective that I had then and what was going yeah. through my mind then. Yeah. And what was going through my mind then when everything happened was, oh, my God, I get it now. You know, um, you know they're having a baby, and so now they, their dad's moving back in, and... Uh-huh. And, and that's what I thought all those years. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Um, let's see. What? So, so I wanted to. Um, uh, so, then you you do mention one. You talk about the father of your son, Patrick, mm-hmm. um, and about his having had a problem with alcohol. And 2012, the the summer that you referred to, and that you talk about in the book. Uh, as being the worst as far as having the most panic attacks and all of that. Part of that was um, a breakup with Patrick. Yeah. Was that yeah. the final breakup? It was kind of, uh, was that the end, final breakup? Yeah, that was the final breakup. Um, everything happened that summer. It was, it was a very strange because, you know, it, 
I was, my life had been extremely idyllic, actually, in the year leading up to that. Um, career was going gangbusters, living in a beautiful house. Uh, you know, I mean, everything was just so, like, perfect. And then all of a sudden, um, my, you know, my, my grandmother had a massive stroke, and was really no longer there. My father had to have a, a heart procedure, and then things had kind of come to a head in my relationship. And, yeah, my, my son's father did have, uh, you know, it, it, for me as a teetotaler, it was, it was, you know, it was hard for me to kind of get a grasp on what was going on because when I look back on it now throughout my whole relationship with him, you know, there was alcoholism. However... I was under the impression that alcoholism meant that you're stumbling around drunk every day mm-hmm. or that you aren't able to work and you aren't able to function. And I didn't realize that alcoholism can be that it's sporadic, but when the person drinks, they drink to extreme and they do, you know, irresponsible things. Um, so I, I was kind of confused. It took me years to really catch on and figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's when the relationship ended. And then over the you know, it morphed into a friendship, into like a really great co-parenting friendship. Uh-huh. Well, you know, um, I wrote my, my first book was called, you may have heard about it, it was called Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. Yeah, I have heard of it. <laughs> well, I talk about 12 different types of bad boys, and one type is the frazzled frog. And that's a guy who... Um, doesn't quite have his act together. He, um, he's usually addicted to one thing or another, like alcohol, and he's somebody who didn't get enough nurturing from his own mother. I mean, that's what makes bad boys when they don't, uh, 12 different ways, they, don't, they have a, a dysfunctional relationship with their mother. And, mm-hmm. um, and so in, in the frazzled frog type, he, they don't get enough nurturing, and they're looking for a woman who's going to be more nurturing. And... Um, and the, what determines for a woman which kind of bad boy she's attracted to is, depends upon what kind of dysfunctional relationship she has had with her father. So uh, the type of woman who goes after frazzled frogs is the woman who has had a father who wasn't there much during her childhood, who wasn't either present um, emotionally or physically or some kind of combination of both or who had died um, and so it made me wonder whether maybe because of all these trips to Texas and because of, you know, the estrangement that went on at least for a while, um, that maybe that was what attracted you unconsciously to somebody like Patrick. Mm, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the separation between my parents was, you know, it was all literally happened within a year. Um, So my father was actually an extremely present figure in my life from that point on, and still is, um, where he would kind of go to the the ends of the earth for his children. However, in my teenage years and even into my 20s, I had a very tumultuous relationship with my father um, because we were very much the same. We're both type A personalities, and I I kind of outline, you know, in the book, I I outline how we are very much the same and how that kind of played out. And, you know, know, like I said, I'm a type A personality, um, and my father's a type A personality, and we're both kind of cut from the same cloth. And when I met... Patrick, 
he was very much the opposite. He was actually, aside from, you know, the, the alcoholism, he was really more like my mother in that she is a little bit more go with the flow, um, a little bit more, you know, laid back, a little bit more gentle. And so in my mind, I thought, wow, I'm going to go for somebody who's the complete ap- opposite of my yeah. dad because there will be less friction. That's and so, that, yes, that's what women do. We either go for the exact opposite or somebody who's exactly like him or something else that's in the middle but is related to some kind of uh, unfinished business. Yeah, uh, I hope I'm not, I, I, I'm assuming that you may have heard this kind of stuff before oh, in, yeah. in, through some of these therapists, um, more analytically oriented therapists. Um, and yes, that we're still directed, you know, to be the same, to be opposite, or to be you know, some, fulfilling some other rep- repetition compulsion, some other kind of thing that, uh, storyline. We try to make the stories come out better. Do, do you think, um, was Patrick maybe, I mean, you had a, he, you have been having a very high profile um, life, especially in, in, at that time, and, you know, hobnobbing with all these celebrities and interviewing them and having your, um, your stories go out all over the place and uh, having a PR firm and so on. Um, do you think that was maybe got to be a little intimidating for Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm, 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 a, str- I'm a strange one because on one hand I'm dying to be, you know, like June Cleaver. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I would love... There's a part of me that would just love to raise kids, cook and clean, uh, take care of animals, and you know, um, and and be that person. And then, but yet at the same time, I I just sort of circumstances took me in a different direction. Um, and yeah, I think that there definitely was that that aspect of of things for sure. Mm-hmm. I do, you know. And now it's funny because now I'm in a relationship with somebody who is more assertive and ambitious, and, and I'm kind of enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. another break. Time is fleeting. <laughs> so interesting. Again, my guest is Allison Kugel. Her book is called Journaling Fame. It just came out, a memoir of life unhinged and on the record. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, the book that we're talking about is Journaling Fame, a memoir of a life unhinged and on the record, with my guest, Allison Kugel, as the author. And... Um, Allison, your book came out uh, at just at the end of April, and I know it's more than a book for you. It's a, a, a mission uh, and a passion to um, try to destigmatize mental illness and, and help people to see that, uh, that they're not freaks that they, and that they should go get help. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you been doing and what has the reaction been to the book since it came out? It's been really an amazing journey so far. I say so far, it's only it's been less than two weeks. But um, I did a, a there was a, a great article that uh, was done on me in, actually it was in a Celebrity Weekly in the UK, but they did this really great piece on me where I got to, you know, really tell my story in essay form uh, about, you know, carrying on this career as a celebrity journalist um, and then, you know, at the same time, dealing with all of the, you know, the anxiety and the OCD and, and kind of how, how it's all been. And, and that was really received well. And then I did a piece for um, uh, the largest newspaper in Australia. And, you know, I spoke to them as well. And, and they also did, you know, a really great piece on it. And, you know, a, a lot of the publications that I had been speaking to were are very kind of gossip and celebrity driven, and I, mm-hmm. I would always say to the reporter, look, you know, it's really important to me that in this particular case that you really give the other side of the story the, you know, the, the due that it deserves, and and everybody's been very respectful of that so far. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Australia, they really made a point to say that I want to be a voice for people who are struggling with anxiety disorders, and I very much appreciated that. And um, I did uh, some other stories for some Jewish newspapers in New York um, for my hometown paper, and I've been doing a lot of radio. And it's just been, every time I do an interview, you know, it's that same feeling that I get every single time, like I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, because like I said, this, this age-old question that I've been asking myself since I was eight you know, why me? You know, why do I have this monkey on my back? Uh, the, the question has been answered, and, um, and, I, and I understand, you know, what this is now. And, and it kind of all culminated in this book and, and sharing my story with people and, and reaching out and, you know, um, sharing my story generously, not kind of holding it close to the vest out of embarrassment, because I carried embarrassment for so many years. Mm. Because it's a huge aspect of having anxiety is embarrassment. Yes, and especially, I mean, when you think about um, what's one of the worst or one of the hardest uh, careers that one could have when suffering from anxiety, I mean, other than maybe being an airplane pilot, (laughs) it's interviewing celebrities, which is uh, anxiety-provoking enough, and it's on its own. Well, that's the thing that I always have to explain to people. Okay, so... People keep asking me, I've gotten the same question over and over and over again. 
And even I've, I've even gotten it from friends where they say, you know, I don't get it. You have all this anxiety, supposedly, but you've interviewed all these celebrities. That doesn't make any sense. And my answer is, you know, I don't have social anxiety. Uh, there is something called social anxiety, which would make somebody very fearful of public speaking or uh, maybe being at a crowded party or event or speaking to somebody of influence or, you know, or something like a job interview, whatever. Um, that was never my thing. I've always had a very easy time of it. My anxiety always revolved more around, uh, you know, my well-being, trying to control, you know, my well-being or being fearful of, you know, an accident or an illness or, you know, uh, thing, more things like that or something bad happening. Um, so there's different types of anxiety. They're all valid. Yeah. If you're experiencing it, I'm sure it's horrific. But that was never something that I had a problem with. Well, yes, but um, still, when one um, interviews celebrities, even though you may not have had the social anxiety in terms of being, feeling uncomfortable uh, so much because of them or that it was such a big deal, you know, that, uh, that you didn't, wouldn't have felt comfortable talking with them. But at the same time, you were feeling, I mean, at least this is what, you, uh, this is what I got from your book, regardless of what was making you feel anxious, you know, things from your childhood, things from your relationship, you know, whatever it was, um, you... you you then had to um, get yourself together to be able to present well enough at these interviews to, I mean, to, to, to not, uh, even if it wasn't that you were anxious about talking to them, you still didn't want people, I mean, it wouldn't have worked very well to, to try to have an interview with somebody if you were anxious about something. Yeah, no, no the, the, yeah, the, I get that. Um, for me, believe it or not, when I, when I'm, when I'm when I would be doing an interview, I would be in the zone. So I would be, <coughs> excuse me, I would kind of almost go into this alternate state where it would be yes. kind of like a reprieve for me, which yes. I know is hard to understand because it's yes. so like counterintuitive. But I I could literally be having a meltdown right before, and then when I'm doing the interview, I would feel kind of calm and centered. Yes, I, I don't know like, why. Maybe it was because I was just doing what I felt I was meant to be doing and what I loved, and I would just go into this zone. And there was only one time where I was doing a face-to-face interview at a, in a hotel lobby. I think it was with the actor Christopher McDonald. And um, I, 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 I was, I did find myself going into anxiety mode, and I, it was the kind of thing where anyone who has an, you know, anxiety will understand this symptom you almost feel like this feeling of unreality, like the person who's sitting across from you doesn't mm-hmm. look real, nothing around you looks real. Mm-hmm. You almost feel like you're not even like firmly planted in your body. Right. I don't know if it's because of hyperventilation. I don't know what it is, but yeah, and I, and I had to just kind of keep my game face on and just get through it, and he, never, he would never have known the difference, but mm-hmm. I knew what, you know, what I was feeling. Well, what I was talking about was you talk about, um, and I don't remember which celebrity specifically, but you talk about like have, feeling really anxious and then having to go that you had this appointment, you know, that you had to go to with some celebrity to interview them, and you were trying to calm your anxiety uh, before going to that interview. Uh, I think I was talking about maybe Megan McCain. There was one. Um, there was that there was one. one. Yes, that was on the telephone. Yes. 
That one was on the um, telephone, yeah. And then the, I think, was it 50 Cent or... You were talking about, where did you go with your, with your my brother? brother? Yeah, with my brother. He came with me into the city that was to do the 50 Cent interview. And yeah, it, it, I remember, you know, being in the car and saying, my, you know, my head feels funny. You know, something just doesn't feel right. I mean, every, I, was, I was fine. There was nothing wrong with me. But I was, you know, having some of my usual, my usual uh, anxiety kind of stuff. And then same thing, as soon as we got into, onto the balcony, we had just a gay old time, you know, for like, I think it was like close to two hours. And then um, parted ways. My brother and I went back out to the car and then driving back home to Long Island, same thing. I said, oh, my head, my head. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel well. Something's not right. I, I feel dizzy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I was talking about. Not so much. I mean, it, it really is a testament to you as an interviewer because it shows that you really, just like with the biographies as a child, um, you know, that you really get into, you were really interested in the other person and, um, and that's how you were able to lose yourself in them. Yes. That's, so that's what I meant when I said, like, I go into a zone and I would just feel really, really calm. And, and for me, it really has always been a genuine interest in somebody's life. I was never, you know, I, I'm really a biography buff at heart, so that's how I approached my job. Mhm. Mhm. Yes, and that's basically. Well, we only have. Um, oh, I don't know about five minutes left. Um, what did we not talk about that you wanted to make sure that we talk about? Do you want to talk about any particular interview or any particular celebrity? Or I one thing I wanted to let make sure that we talk about was you're now doing in addition to being on this um, on this uh, this path to champion. Uh, to help people with anxiety disorders, you're, you also are have founded, uh, created a new app called You Pitch. Yes. Why don't you tell people about that? I, I think it's genius, and I am sure. going to get it. <laughs> yes, please download it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the You Pitch app uh, came to be because I was a journalist for ten years, and I've also been in public relations consulting for many, many years. And, you know, there, there were a couple of things happening. A lot of people would approach me and say, you know, I have this great or innovative thing that I want to promote, but they would become very demoralized because they, you know, couldn't afford to hire a PR firm. And then I would get a lot of journalists, you know, complaining to me that they're slammed with hundreds of emails every day. So I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. So we created the UPitch app. It's spelled, uh, it's the letter U-P-I-T-C-H. It's right now it's for iOS, so it's on the App Store. Um, people who are pitching stories can also go to upitchapp.com. Uh, but you, yeah, the UPitch app is on the App Store, and it's basically anybody can pitch their story in 400 characters with uh, images and social media links and everything, and you categorize your pitch by, you know, whatever, whatever beat of journalist you're looking to attract. And then journalists go in and they choose their filters, and they swipe through these, you know, kind of news briefs. They're like little micro-pitches, little micro-press releases that are on the app, and you kind of swipe it like Tinder. And then a uh, journalist and pitcher can connect through the UPitch in-app messenger. And um, it's, it's been really great. We have, like, probably close to 4,500 PR people and startups. 
Holy on cow, there yeah. who, who are pitching, and we have we're edging close to two thousand journalists and bloggers who have downloaded the app, and uh, we're about to um, add some additional features and build the Android, and uh, it's it's exciting. And so, um, is it does it just work um, through an app, or I went I, I briefly was able to go to the um, I found it on I Googled it I guess. Um, can you do it through the website as well or just on your iPhone as an app? If you're a journalist uh, who's looking for stories to cover, you can only do it on your phone through the app because really all you're doing is browsing and swiping and then texting. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are pitching a story, you can do it either through the app or at youpitchapp.com if you want more of that larger desktop experience because, you know, they're the ones typing out the content. So Mm -hmm, that's why we did it mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. And then as a journalist, you can choose um, what kinds of stories. I mean, you, you choose a category and then you get fed those kinds of stories. Sure, yes. So you would choose, you know, maybe you would click off uh, for yourself human interest, uh, mental health, health and wellness, entertainment, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat. And then you would go into your pitch feed and you would only see pitches that uh-huh. have to do with those categories. Uh-huh. Well, it Pretty sounds cool. fabulous. Very cool. You know, it's amazing that uh, <laughs> you obviously beat out the competition. It's amazing that somebody didn't think of this before. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, there's really nobody else in our space. With all the many apps that are out there, no one else, uh, we don't have any competition. We're uncontested right now. Mm-hmm. So, ah, well, that's, well, that's great. And I'm glad we got to talk about it before we're hearing the music that we have to Yeah, for sure. Yeah, where, <laughs> tell people where, let me um, tell people the name again of the book. The, uh, my guest, of course, is Allison Kugel. Her book is called Journaling Fame, A Memoir of a Life Unhinged and on the Record. Where would you like people to go to buy it? People can go to Amazon.com. People can go to BarnesandNoble.com. It's also available on Kindle and Nook. Okay, great. Well, I wish you tons of success with this. And, Thank you. Um, yes, it is super important for people to see, you know, how, uh, how someone can can not only cope, but thrive, even though they're battling, they're secretly battling these demons. <laughs> or not yes. so secretly if you write a memoir about it. <laughs> yeah, no, mine, is, mine the, the cat's out of the bag, but other people, you know, if they just, you know, please, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you love somebody who is, please pick up my book, and I hope that you get uh, great comfort and insight from it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Allison, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 